Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of Boss Builder Podcast is brought to you by Boss Builders University. Now, as a manager, you probably think you're the best manager that ever walked the planet. And maybe you are, but maybe you're not. And if you get the feeling that people are not following you the way you wish they were, maybe it's time to do some self-reflection and maybe get yourself some training and development. If you check us out at bossbuildersuniversity.com, you'll see we have a couple of great programs now for the manager that knows they need to get better. We have Boss Builder Academy, which is short video driven and coming very soon, a really great opportunity to work with a cohort. We call this new program, The Art of Being a Great Boss. Now, more information is coming soon, but if right now you're wondering, how can I get better? Keep checking back at bossbuildersuniversity.com and let us partner with you as you strive to be the best boss you can possibly be. Our guest today is Kathleen Rich New, and she is the CEO of Clarity Consulting. The topic today is remaining productive and engaged. And right now, if you have direct reports with everything else going on, they're not probably bringing their A-game to work. Kathleen's got a nice four-step process that'll help you get them back in focus get them re-engaged and get the results that you need from them. Lots of practical tips in this episode, so make sure you're taking notes. And let's quit talking about me. Let's talk about you and Kathleen. You know what to do. Time to buckle up that seatbelt because we're about to hit the road. Welcome to the Boss Builder Podcast. Kathleen Rich New, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mac. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad that we were able to set up some time and we're going to do this virtually, even though you are relatively close to where we are here in our home office in Dixon, Tennessee, and uh, and yet we're going to do it virtual. But I'm glad to have you on the show. The topic today is on productivity, which is, I guess, always something that managers and HR professionals worry about. But because our work lives and home lives are often glued together now and we're not able to get the FaceTime, it's becoming more of a challenge. And so we're going to be talking about some strategies that can be used to be able to get people productive. But before we get to that, Kathleen, I was wondering if you could share something about your background with us. You have a pretty interesting background. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So I, I kind of came of age in the corporate world. Um, so companies whose names you would recognize, such as Apple, um, where I was deemed to have a black belt in layoffs because every year I was there, I was participating in one to three different layoffs. So this was when Steve, when, when, uh, Scully was there and Steve Jobs was not, and they were downsizing, um, the, or, the field organizations. So I was in Dallas and I had responsibility for 10 states, um, for all of their human resources. And so they were downsizing um, a number of the folks involved in sales. And I, as the HR person, I had to be involved in all of them. Um, and then also um, Silicon Graphics, which changed its name to SGI, so making supercomputers. Uh, Brocade Communications, which was large computer um, storage. And so all of the pictures coming back from the, the rovers that have been out there all came through those supercomputers. So pretty much high tech. And then I also worked for a uh, 
offshore contract drilling company. This is a company that punched holes in the ocean floor. Uh, And it was an international organization. And that's the reason I accepted it, because I was getting a master's in international human resources. Um, And so I've I've lived in 11 countries. um, And most of that had to do with um, my jobs. uh, So following the opportunities. And now I am back in Tennessee, uh, not too far from you, like you said. And, you know, you know, developing my local contacts, which you were introduced through one of my local contacts. And so we're on here today. That's great. Yeah. Our local contacts, you know, I'm convinced that some of them know every human being on this planet and not only know them, they know how to connect to them. So it was uh, very fortunate we could connect together. I know that your topic is relevant even in good times, but before we came on the air, we spent about 30 minutes just talking about the state of the world, and frankly, it was depressing. And uh, so it's not often a guest depresses me. You've done a great job of that. Thank you so much. (laughs) No, no, it's nothing that we didn't already know, but the beauty of this is that we know now at least where we are, and we're having to think about what happens, I guess, A, if things get worse, or B, what happens when things start getting better. Either way, the constant is the job that needs to get done, the productivity required, and engaging the people that do it. And that's something that is a moving target right now. So what I'm hoping for is that you can help us figure out some strategies to, number one, engage people, but then work with their productivity. So As you see the world today, what are some of the biggest challenges that HR professionals need to wrestle with? Well, it's it's not something new, Mac, Um, because I focus on small to medium sized businesses. um, I'm sure your experience is you've walked in and you ask employees there, you know, like frontline employees, um, how do how will you know if you're doing well? What is it exactly your performance appraisal will will be built on? And then um, how do you get a raise? And most employees that I have found, because I do this with any new client, don't know. Uh, It may have been explained to them once upon a time when they came into the company, but somewhere along the line, they have forgotten it and it wasn't reinforced. So in every organization, when you hire someone, when you make a decision, you're going to add a job then it's so critical about what are the results that you are expecting from that employee. So we're not talking about activities, and and you kind of talked about that earlier. We're not talking about activities, but rather what are the results? And um, so I was on your website earlier, and you had a great quote on there from CNN that said 90% of employers uh, who have employees working remotely have not seen a drop in productivity. So what that says is the micromanaging, the, the only people getting promoted are those who have face time in the office has changed for a lot of companies. You know, you come, you come out of the Navy and so uh, you, know, you were all about results and your performance appraisals were every year. And if you didn't get a good one, you were out. So the focus was results. So what exactly are the results you need? And here's a great question. Um, to um, I, I do what's something that is called job benchmarking, which is okay. What are the results that are expected? If these are the results, how you're going to get them, and based on that, what are the knowledge, skills, ability, and other qualities that you need uh, to do that? Um, and so, 
a real fast shortcut is in the next six months, what is the one thing that this position must achieve or it's a total failure? That takes the people I'm working with some time because they want to come up with everything else. And it's no, what is the one thing that if they achieve it, they are successful and the job is successful and you know how, how it helps the company. So it's, it's in, in, in this case, I talk about, you know, kind of the re-engage and recapture. Well, part of it is you have to redefine what is exactly required. Um, because when employees know what you're shooting for, um, it, it makes a difference. Like we talked earlier about the fact that you were very interested in a specific program in the Navy. And so you did what you were supposed to. And they said, oh, by the way, you also need a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Well, nobody told me that. Well, Mac, if people don't tell you exactly what success looks like, then how do you succeed? Well, not only how do you succeed, but how do you avoid becoming really frustrated when there really is no clear indicator of what a win looks like? Exactly. Um, so, um, so at one point in my career, when I was with Apple, I was in Dallas um, with with those sales uh, teams in ten different states, and we went to a kind of a big gaming area called Dave and Buster's, and they had all of these fun games. Um, and I was watching some of the, you know, some of our team members that were doing a simulated golf. So, so they would hit the ball into a curtain that had a projected golf course on it and got to talking with them later. And they said, you know, sometimes, you know, when I'm working with so-and-so it's like, I'm shooting that golf ball, but I don't get any feedback. So I don't know if I'm doing what I'm supposed to. So it, it, it's, it's like, so redefine. The reality is we're not going to be going back probably for the next six months, maybe a year. Um, Twitter has told their employees, you can work for, from home from now on. So if that's true, then what are the results, not the FaceTime, that you are expecting from these individuals? And it's, it has to be very specific uh, where before, I know, I'm, I'm sure you've been in environments where, uh, again, the, the more FaceTime you have, the more opportunity to, to suck up to bosses and peers would make the difference of who was promoted and who wasn't. So, again, what is the one thing that must be accomplished by this job in the next six months? So you start there and then you can tear down some more. Okay, so if that's the case... What kind of behavior, what kind of skills do we need? Um, so, for example, if it's a, um, a customer service organization, you want someone who likes to help people. You don't want someone who wants to get the customer off the line as fast as you can or, very honestly, is irritated because they can't control those calls coming into them. Um, and <laughs> one customer service person, it was a technical uh, thing I needed. And the person was obviously at home and they had CNN running in the background and I could hardly hear them. So that person obviously was not a good match mm-hmm. because I, I, I could care less. Let me just see how fast I can get you off the phone. So when we talk about behaviors, like one of the things I talk about it, that I, I train is around communications. So you're very much of a engaging individual. 
So if I'm very task oriented, we're not going to get along. Task oriented is I'm only dealing with dollars, deadlines, and details. You like to engage people. So it's about family, friends, fun, stories. So if if I don't recognize that about you and I become very irritated, then we're not going to really have the opportunity to be productive. But if I understand what makes you work and how I need to adjust my, my behavior around that, that's important. So when you hire the right person, make sure it's the right person for this job. What is it you expect? How do they need to be showing up? I don't think a lot of people put that kind of thought into it. And it's mainly, we, we need a warm body, you know, exactly. so, you know Sa- Sally's, uh, Sally gave me her notice today. So we need a replacement for Sally. But it seems to me that the closer you are to the job, the less, and maybe I'm wrong on this, the less that you're concerned with that and more concerned about filling the need. I mean, as a business owner, like you and I are, I mean, I knew when I needed to find Lisa like I have a specific thing that needs to get done. I, I don't want to say, hey, look, I have a staff of three. Aren't I amazing? Because it's expensive. There's like deliverables. And Lisa and Rachel, they know what their job is. But it's because I'm, I'm we're close to each other. But if I was CEO of a company with, you know, a thousand people, I don't think I would have that kind of influence. How can a closer to the frontline employee start thinking that way? Well, it's, um, it, it's again, it has to start a little higher up, which is what does success look like here? How will you know? And what is the feedback I will get, you know, about, you know, you're doing well here. We just need to tweak it there. So it's the whole feedback loop that is typically lacking. And it's interesting because I have kind of two buckets of clients. Uh, so I've got clients that are in the design and build arena. So they're architects, they're in construction. They are as busy as they have ever been. And so working with them is about communication because there is automatic conflict that happens as as the days get longer. And again, the, the weather gets hotter. And then I have others that are kind of saying, well, we don't know. Um, we, we think we want to bring these employees back. And it's like, absolutely. Let's take a moment to be clear about your paying money that is difficult to come by, what is it that you want as far results? Well, I like Rachel or Tommy has always done a great job. That's fine. Let's be really clear about this job and what is it, what are the expectations as far as what you need in the next six months? And then let's take a look at them because I, I, I'm sure like you do, I, I use a whole series of assessments on both leaders as well as employees. So um, some of my clients, they don't make a hire without running an assessment on that, on that potential applicant. And in some cases they are great smoozers, but when it comes to, can they get the work done? They won't. It's easier to know that up front, isn't it? Yeah. Is it going to be harder? Because I know, you know, I don't know what the employment number is nowadays. It's pretty high. It's 10%. Is it 10%? And I don't even know what it is in middle Tennessee. It seems like it's not affected us nearly as bad because the traffic isn't improved all that much as far as I can see. But is is now going to be a good time to find these people because there's a whole lot of people looking for work? Or is it possible we'll be taken in because of desperation? Like, oh yeah, I'll do whatever you want. Yeah, whatever job it is, I'll do anything. 
uh, it seems like you could have a, a bigger challenge now. Well, it, it, exactly. Um, and, and that's where like the assessments I, I work with. So first of all, we have to define the job. Um, and then, and then once candidates start coming in, then they are all run against this job benchmark that I talked about earlier. Um, and it lets you know where, where they're lacking and where they're potentially overdeveloped. So perhaps this, the job just requires someone to implement only. So we don't care about your creativity. We just want you to do the job. So think about Amazon. They have this down to a science. Here's exactly what has to happen. And they measure it at every turn. Well, if someone is like overly intelligent and creative, then that means that that natural ability they have, they will want to use, but it's not going to help your organization. So you could actually hire them because they look like they're intelligent, but that's not what you need. And so they'll get frustrated and they will start changing the procedures. So it's, it's like hiring someone who's very creative as a bank teller. Hmm. And they decide to to rewrite all the procedures. That's what you could end up with. So it's it, it's a is this a good match? And in some cases, what's what's interesting, Mac, um, because I, I work with a, a variety of industries because it all has everything has to do with people. Um, but when you know when I look at them and I give them the feedback uh, about candidates, is this a trainable behavior or not? For example, let, let's go back to customer service. If someone doesn't like other people, if they're not willing to be helpful, you can't train that into someone. So you just don't go there. If someone is like too people oriented, they you know they really are over the top as, as far as wanting people to like them and to get along. But in fact, this job is perhaps like an auditor who has to go in and has to be very clear about you're not following these procedures, again, it's going to be a failure. You can't train that into someone when it's against their behavior. So for example, um, I, I, I have strong, a strong task orientation as well as people. Um, what I don't have is the very detail within the guidelines behavior. But when I wrote my second book um, called Plan B, The Real Deal Guide on Starting Your Business, I had to become an expert and rely on experts on the four most common ways that people can start a business. Um, it took me two and a half years because it was exhausting work. I would go, I rented a little um, uh, cottage uh, down by the beach when I was in Florida off Cocoa Beach. And I would go there on Saturday morning at nine o'clock and I would wrap up at four o'clock on Saturday afternoon and I would be back over there by Sunday morning by nine and I would wrap up by one and I was toast. Mm. Now it is, and I actually had 20 people do, um, you know, proofreading for me. Um, I will never write another book like that again because by the time I got it published, I was exhausted. I mean, my brains were fried. So what that says is the person you're interviewing can look like whatever you want. The question is, is it in, is it in their natural behavior style or are they having to work very hard to be there? Well, they would probably be happier if they were aligned in a job that aligned with them. But how many employees are honestly even aware of like, hey, I'm a detail person or I'm a big picture thinker. Do you find most people already know that or 
They just don't seem to fit in the environments they've been. Well, I, I, you brought up a, a, a point earlier um, that's really important, Mac, which is, you know, whatever you want, I will be that person. So that's where it goes back to the employer to be very clear about this is what we need. Um, for example, uh, my niece works at Ford Motor Company. She's in her fifth year now in Kansas City. She works on the production line. She like this. It took her nine months of going through all kinds of different hurdles for her to be hired. And every time they had a training class prior to being hired, um, the one of the HR people would come in and said, "Your job is to assemble trucks." That is all your job is. Your job is to assemble trucks. So out of like a, a group of 125 that was hired at the same time, within three years, there were 35 of them left. Wow. So, and and they're paying these people to go. So once you're hired, now I'm paying you to be trained. Um, in her case, it was her motivation. You know, she's a single mom, three kids, um, is her motivation is this, this is far more money than I have seen before. I know exactly what the hours are. I know they're going to be shifting. So she knew what she was walking into. So her motivation, and she is also a very detailed child. Um, so in, in her case, it was a match because you do the same thing every day. And they said for 10 hours a day, this is what you're going to do mm-hmm. you know, for four days a week, period. <laughs> um, so it's, so when you match it up, and I mean, she, she told me like, um, she, would, she calls me on like a couple months, a couple times a month. And, and I, the first question is how many more have dropped out? And she'd tell me, we go, how could that possibly be? You guys were told. She said, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, hearing it and then experiencing or, you know, I mean, when I joined the Navy, I knew there was a bunch of rules. I'm, I hate rules. <laughs> and then unfortunately you can't quit, right? You're stuck for as long as you've enlisted for, but I guess I didn't understand why I was not happy for 15 years of my life until now looking back thinking, yeah, because you were forced to do things that in some cases didn't make any sense to you. And I'm kind of like the bank teller. I'd be like, this is stupid. Why are we doing it this way? I'm just going to make the change right now. Exactly. I was never very successful, you know? (laughs) Well, but there's a whole lot of other areas that you would be very successful in. Um, So if, if what we need is, is the, Actually, I, I call it the the lazy person's approach, which is why are we doing this? We could be more effective if, okay, so that's for one type of a job. If I'm looking for a bank teller to just do the job, I wouldn't hire you. If I mm. knew the questions to ask and I, and I knew um, the the profile to, to look at, um, and there are there are it's it's pretty darn accurate. Um, I've been using it for like uh, using you know, my main ones for like over 20 years. And it's pretty darn accurate. And and so part of the job benchmark, which is what is the work to be done, uh, it gives you questions to to go deeper on. And what happens, and, and I know that, and so we compensate for it, is if I'm taking an assessment to get a job, I will try to be everything you want me to be. Right. And so that's, I mean, you can influence. Uh, but here's questions to go deeper on. So so then it goes back to a deeper interview to clearly understand. So that's really an understanding the results you need. And now, second step about this. So the first one is redefine the results you want. The second step is um, re-engage your employees. 
And there's been a lot of information that um, group calls, like group staff meetings that used to be working well in the uh, office, doesn't work well on Zoom. I want you, boss, to call me and I want you to ask me how my life is uh, because you heard like the dog go off or the kids. And what's interesting (laughs) is once upon a time, and I'm guilty of this, is an employee's personal life had no impact on work at all. Um, and now you, uh, you know, I, I'm watching these Zoom calls, and here comes a little cat tail in the background, <laughs> or here comes a child running up and saying, "Daddy, I want a hug." So what happens is now employees are whole people, and whole people have a lot of stressors, and they, for a lot of them, they just need someone to hear them. They don't need someone to fix it. They just need to know they're not the only ones there. And so the whole, how do you re-engage your employees? Because it has changed. Um, again, my, my niece at, at worked at Ford. She now has, you know, a, um, a second grader and a fourth grader, and they have taken over the dining room table. Fortunately, she had a good internet connection. Um, but it, she's in, and, and Ford kind of just shut down the plant. So she was on, layoff. Well, I don't know. I don't know what they called it. But anyway, she was able to to stay right there with her kids. And she said, how do they expect us to work and to also homeschool our children when we don't have a choice because the schools have shut down? So that's where the, the manager needs to be finding out what the stressors are in this employee's life. Not that you can fix it, but sometimes just the fact someone knows makes a huge difference. I wonder if things, when people do go back to the office, if they will have forged a deeper connection to themselves and their manager because they've been able to be vulnerable. You know, we saw it even in my own team, you know, the, at first we'd do the meetings and, you know, my team would kind of look like they were dressing up now. Like this morning we did one at home. I just showed up in my bathrobe. Like, you know, what the hell? Because no, you did. I did. But I mean, come on, it's just me. I mean, the the boss can wear a bathrobe. I mean, thank God I put a bathrobe on. <laughs> but I think, you know, what I've what I have been able to really and I guess I was always I don't know if they would agree. I always felt close to Lisa and Rachel because we're a small team. But now that I have seen them and now that like we did our staff meeting at six thirty this morning, my time, because, you know, Rachel's got a, you know, a two year old and and, you know, Lisa's got a nine-year-old and they were in between their nap and their school schedule. So, you know, I can make the adjustments, but we're a small team. I mm-hmm. mean, is it possible that managers could be doing that kind of adjustment right now? And if so, will that impact the relationships when we go back to work? I don't know. Well, it absolutely what's, what's happened has impacted everyone. The question is, is your manager reaching out? Um to, to be there, to understand, to listen, um, to, in some cases, make adjustments when they can. And I, I, again, it's my niece is back at work on the production line in um, at, at Ford, and the heat is a real problem because she's in a factory that doesn't have air conditioning or heating. And then they have the masks on on top of that. Yeah. So, so you know, in her case, her motivation about, you know, she's got five years there. She's making a lot of money. She has incredible benefits um, is, is that she will do whatever it takes. And then she also has a phenomenal childcare arrangement. Um, So 
if I have the ability as your manager and I reach out and then we make adjustments, absolutely the loyalty goes straight up the roof. If I'm a task-oriented person and I don't really care, all I care about is results. And then I say, and by the way, how you get them is up to you, but here's the deadline. Okay, now I have flexibility. Now I'm working at like um, eight o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night after the kids have gone to bed um, and I can focus on this. So it, it comes back to, I think one of your podcasts showed, what is the cost of a bad boss? Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredibly expensive. And the issue is um, you may not know it for three, six, nine, 12 months. And then by that time, how do I now move this organization? How, how do I move this person out of the organization? There's some companies I've worked with is that's it. You're gone. You know, no building a case, no counseling, <laughs> you know, and other, my clients have hired me to work with them to understand what they are. So what they value and how they behave and what they're not. Um, and what I tell them up front is, uh, let me spend an hour with them. Um, and I'll tell you whether they're worth your investment or not, because if they're not willing to be coached, if not willing to see things that you see, don't waste your money. Um, and how, how many of them respond to that? Do they see it as a dollar issue or just that the person's a big pain in the ass? Well, typically it's talent. Um, so I said, you know, son, my active clients right now are kind of design and build. So it's the relationships that they have across organizations. Like you have a lot of work in government. So their relationships with, with the government decision makers, um, with the fact that we don't have anyone with their technical credentials is they really want it to work. Uh, but if the individual just doesn't see it, um, and, and I, I tell them up front is this one is going to be difficult. So you really want to, let's talk further because this one I know is going to be very resistant and is going to deny like the 360 feedback, uh, which I use, by the way, Mac, very, very carefully because I've seen uh, people just emotionally get destroyed because of the feedback. Um, and in that case, you know, they're not task oriented, they're people oriented. And, um, so I, I, I'm very thoughtful before I use it, but if it's like this person, we really need them because we don't, we're, we're doing searches and we don't have anyone to replace them. And even if we did, um, it would take them a year to year and a half to be able to develop the relationships with the decision makers to do that. Um, so, so that's kind of where they're caught between a rock and a hard place. Interesting. <laughs> Sometimes as I work with companies, there's a very clear, this person doesn't belong in this organization because it's not because they're in the right job. It's because their values do not line up, that they are not accountable for the work that they're to, to be doing. Um, and they go, yeah, but, and so the biggest resistance that I, that I run into around kind of this re-engage and, you know, kind of recapture productivity is that they just don't want to pull the trigger because it's too much work for them. Well, you know, I'm thinking, and my mind's not wandering, but I'm thinking of an example. So did, did you see the movie Shrek? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Shrek finds Fiona and they're both ogres. Mm-hmm. And you could say there's someone for everyone, mm-hmm. right? Do you think 
using that same analogy, there's an, there's an organization or an industry fit or a company for everyone? Or do you think there's some people that are just not going to fit in any place? Oh, I think absolutely there is. So if I'm someone who's lazy <clears throat> and want to show up in my bathroom <laughs> for the staff meeting. I, somehow I can relate to that. I don't know. I mean, I might have admitted that I'm lazy. I don't know if I did or not. <laughs> well, and again, when I get my podcast up and running, I'll bring you on as, you know, confession. The, lazy, the laziest boss there ever was. That would be me. Yep. Yeah. So, so again, there are, um, so for example, Amazon, I've been told by people who work around people who work with Amazon is a cutthroat business. So if you want kind of a nice fuzzy place to work, Amazon's not it. Oh, I know. My son was an area manager there and they turn people over like cattle. It's like, yeah, you're here a week and then you're gone. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for the confirmation. Again, I've not known anyone personally. Oh yeah. Well, I heard all the, let's see, that's the beauty. My son has me as, you know, not only his dad, but I'm the sounding board when he has these issues and they don't tolerate nonsense there at all. Well, and, and neither does UPS. I mean, they would measure based on stride, how many deliveries that you should be making. Um, so, so that's a very, um, it, see, um, Taylor, Frederick Taylor, scientific mm-hmm. management, uh, blah, blah, Very blah. Much so. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because that's what I told my son. I said, do you remember when you heard that? And he's like, I don't remember that. I said, that's scientific management because there's cameras and sensors. And oh, yeah, it's funny how we've gone old school with the most cutting edge industry, I think, that we could have. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, you order something in the morning and get it by the afternoon. Of course, where I live, you order it in the morning, you get it a week later. But <laughs> Because I live out in the country. You're you, out of the boonies. You, yeah, you can go ahead and order and have it sent to you instantly. But you're right. It is very much like Frederick Taylor. And, you know, what's interesting is I would have to say that my son is definitely task-oriented. He's not especially interested in the relationship piece. And so he was able to do very well there. And he's now moved on to another company that does distribution up in Reno, Nevada. And he's good at it. Because for him, it's like, if you don't want to work, you're out of here. I don't really care. I mean, the day he called me to tell me he fired somebody, it's almost like he wanted to put a notch in his pistol. You know, I mean, he's like, yeah, I got one. Right. Um, And and there are others that having to do that is, I mean, with all the layoffs I did with with Apple, again, I had to be there in all 10 states for all of them, is, I mean, the managers couldn't sleep the night before. They were so upset. Because they were very people, they were salespeople, they were engaging. Um, so, so yeah, if I'm a rebel and I'm going to do it my way because it's the right way, there's companies who really applaud that. I don't know who those companies are. Boss Builders does that. Box Builders? Boss Builders, my company. Oh, 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 okay. Boss. Box Builders. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So you're, think, you're thinking inside the box, aren't you? Well, I, I was, and I was thinking like big box stores, and I go box. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, that, I mean that's what we, you know, that's the beauty of a of this tiny company like we are. You know, three people we can do we can pivot on a dime, I guess. But uh, for a larger one, yeah, it doesn't fit in. Or you know, a structured organization like the military. Free thinking is definitely not appreciated, well, except you know, if you're in the middle of a firefight and you got nowhere else to go. Like, okay, what the hell are we going to do next? Then there's going to hopefully be somebody that can think outside the standard operating procedure of a thing. You know? like, so like MASH, mm-hmm. right? It's, we had talked about that earlier. Um, 
so so Mash is just a great example of okay, I'm in this role, but we're going and we're going to figure out how to make it work because my patients, these kids coming in that have been shot up, is we're going to make sure that they call it meatball surgery. Is is that we're going to get them to live, and so so they would they would do what was required from a medical perspective, absolutely. Um, and then kind of, okay, now that's done. Now we go off and have our still. And um, But I mean, but using that analogy, you think about radar, right? The company clerk, yes. his job is to use the standard operating procedures and supply levels. But how was he successful, right? He could just bargain and barter. And he's like Red in Shawshank Redemption. He's the guy that can get things. The very role that he should be filling, he is playing against the rules and he's extremely successful but how would radar do if he got sent back to the states to like tripler hospital over in hawaii you know he would he'd probably be in trouble all the time and and, that, and that's exactly it so that's where um again part of my discussion with companies is um when because I, I typically only work at, at the top levels so like the d's and so to the D and C level. So that means like director and chief of levels. Um, there's sometimes I'll, I'll go down lower um, because they're, they're bringing on a whole new group. Like Amazon is here in Nashville. They're bringing on like 5,000 people mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, and, and you've already explained the culture, which is nobody takes any crap off anyone. You either get it done or you're gone. Mm-hmm. So, Stepping into that environment is it, because it's well known. Disney World and Land are the same way. Is evidently Walt Disney was a crotchety, you know, if you don't get this done, you're gone sort of person, which most people see him as uncle. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. Well, he, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't at, at all. He was just very focused on bottom line results. And if you don't get the results, you're gone. Well, but it's interesting that the, the, I won't, cause that would have defined the company culture, but certainly what the customers see is not that it would, it would really probably disturb somebody to know what a tough boss he was. Exactly. Um, and, and so, you know, and their, I think their mission statement is to be the happiest place on earth. Yeah. That's um, interesting. Huh? When you have a mean boss, a driving boss, but well, let's go back to your experience with Apple, right? Mm-hmm. So so Steve Jobs starts it. He goes off. I think he ran. Was it Coca Cola? They brought him over. Um, no, Steve. Steve Jobs. Uh, okay, so Steve Jobs was forced out, and then he created Pixar. And I think he created another company before that. And yeah, there was like three CEOs that came Who, in. Until but one of them came from Coca Cola, yes, wasn't it? I think that it was, was Scully, Scully, wasn't it? Scully, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was he was interesting. Um, so all three CEOs that they brought in after that just basically dr- drove Apple almost to bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Steve came back in, and he changed the logo from the multicolor to black and white. Um, one of the benefits at Apple when I was there is after five years you could take six weeks of paid leave sabbatical. Wow! And you could add two weeks on it. I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. I, w- I was home. Three days during that period of time, and it was not consecutive. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so I I enjoyed the heck out of it, um, but it, but again, that was the culture. But he stopped him, and and the boss I had was like three months away from her third sabbatical. He was gone. Oh my gosh! So, but again, that's all about okay. Let's let's define the results. 
because uh, there were times I was at Apple is that we had three levels of management that all were on sabbatical at the same time because their kids were out of school. We made no sales because of that. So, so the before Apple, you know, was you could take sabbaticals and, you know, and dis- to- totally disconnect. And after Steve came back, the second time is no, is we're here as a business and we're moving forward. So when we talk about redefine results, the results as the employee is uh, in sales, your job is to get sales and to close them, period. And then to refocus the, the employees is this is about you closing those sales with, you know, with, with what you had. And again, the re-engaging Steve jobs didn't re-engage the employees. He said, this is the way it is. And he left it up to his managers and obviously the human resources people to talk about that. And then I was also at Apple when they started downsizing facilities. So when we talk about re-engaging employees and refocusing, um, so Apple shrunk the facility footprint and enforced employees to home, which is very interesting on what's going on now. And in some cases we couldn't do it. So we had to rent them suites. So it, it, it's like, I'm in a two bedroom apartment and I have two kids. Um, and like, there's no place for me to have an office and to do any work. And that's when the kids were going to school. So, so how, you know, and I led that effort from the field because I under, understood the field in, in Dallas and working areas so what what were our options? And at that point in time, they were to to rent employees' suites, and the employees hated them hmm. because I come in and everybody's in their office with their doors closed, working, and I'm used to hanging around the water cooler. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, managers, you need to be spending more one on one time calls with these folks, um, and in order to engage them. But Apple was such a cool company to work. For. We didn't really lose people during that. Um, but it's it's kind of how do you re-engage them when it's it's like I'm walking into this office and it's it's like I might as well go into a sterile room. And so some employees, I'm sure, are feeling that. And as your manager, I need to know, Mac, that you're feeling very stressed, or in this case, you're feeling very relaxed and it's cool because all you need to do is have your Zoom top on. <laughs> And, and not get up from behind the table. That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've we've seen that. I think Walmart says they don't sell pants anymore, but the shirts are flying off the shelves. <laughs> there's, a, there's, I, you know, I just, uh, I subscribed to a number of different newsletters, and there was one that was so funny, um, and it was in the sales arena, um, and they were every, they were doing everything virtually, and one guy said he wore the same shirt for twenty days in a row, and nobody said or noticed anything. <laughs> <laughs> now that's good. I mean, I hope you washed it. Well, I, I saw that. I was I was here in my office. This is back when my son and his girlfriend, when he left Amazon in Florida, they came and stayed with us for a few months. But I came home and he comes walking out of my office at home with a suit, jacket, tie, and white shirt and a pair of running shorts. And I said, what the hell are you doing? He said, I just had a job interview. So... <laughs> So there's some there's some behaviors that take after you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, to be full disclosure, I had pants on with my bathrobe, so I was, it was just the opposite, right? Sure, you I, did. I, I buy more pants than shirts. <laughs> oh Lord! Well, you know, it's I'm thinking about this now, and you know, kind of as, as as we wind down here, you've had experience with with some really interesting companies. How do you think that the Apple of 
your time would handle what's going on with the pandemic today? I think, well, so first of all, Apple is a technology company um, and they would, again, they're focused on, on the results. Again, what has to happen in the next six months? The results are what, what do your clients need from you in the next six months to make purchasing decisions? Um, so when I, when I worked with them in Dal- Dallas, we had the K through 12. So the education group, we had the reseller group. So people reselling Apple computers. And then we also had enterprise, which is here are the businesses. So what would it take for them? Um, so my guess is they would adapt very well and very quickly to both em- employee needs, uh, which is, you know, an, all about Zoom because so we were, you know, downsizing them, you know, a couple decades ago. Um, and as they added people to the field, they didn't increase the, the size of the region offices. Um, so, but I, I think they, they, they become more and more focused on what are the results that we need from you and your group in, in order to keep everyone employed. If companies are doing this now, do you think they'll stay on this path of really looking at results? Or do you think when this is over with, they'll start slipping back to their old ways? What do you think about that? Great question. What I believe is that they will remain focused on results. And, you know, here's what is interesting is because I have been in offices with schmoozers. Um, the boss liked them. The higher-ups like them. I've been in layoff meetings that stickies with names on them came on and off the chart because a higher up had a lovely one-time encounter only that was not tied to the results, wasn't tied to the customer. I would hope, let me put it this way, Mac, um, I would hope that they become, that they stay focused on results and results are not only the numbers, but then also it's like a performance appraisal. There's, there's two measurements that need to happen. One is what did you achieve? And the other is, how did you achieve it? So you may have ticked off the box, but you procrastinated until the last minute. And then you created this whole disaster in a different department because they had to really put out a lot of extra effort to be able for you to be able to get that result. Because So just because you tick off the box doesn't mean we want to keep you. If you're someone who creates havoc, across the organization, we don't need you because you're really too expensive. It really just keeps coming down to dollars, doesn't it? Well, dollars and numbers. Yeah. Dollars and numbers. But again, what, how do you get there? Hmm. So, so it, it, it's like sales. I mean, sales is the most measured and accountable organization. Um, so if you don't make the sale, we're not going to keep you. If you make the sale and then you really piss off the entire company, we've got a bigger problem. And it's it, it's the um, there's a, a chart. And I'm trying to bring it to mind now, but 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 there's something that's that's called, and it has to do with matching the company culture. So if they are highly productive, but they very badly match the company culture, they're called terrorists. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm your golden child. I make all the right things, but I'm basically like stabbing everyone in the back that I come across. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that are companies have such a hard time 
not Amazon. <laughs> Companies have a hard time saying, but they bring in most of the money. Well, yeah, but at the same time, they're undermining all of your employees and all your employees are doing the workaround because they don't want anything to do with this person. So it's, it's, are so part of the company leadership, and that's the reason I have to start at the leadership level, like I know you do, which is, let me be really clear about your role in all of this, because it has to start, start here. And if you're not willing to do that, you're probably wasting your money. Well, I know that's going to be a hard thing to swallow for someone that genuinely loves either the person who's not efficient or the person who gets results and has a terrible personality. But I think from at least what you say, it's like you're measuring things here. So maybe that's going to the data. I mean, you gave us a great formula here. So now it's just going to be somebody who needs to start thinking more like a business owner rather than just, uh, you know, everybody's best friend. Well, exactly. So, so again, part of, part of the step through process is first of all, is let's define the results that this job requires. Okay. Once we know the results, then we can, you know, look at, okay, so what are the behaviors we need? What are the knowledge, skills, and ability, which are technical skills. And and we probably can get some of those off of the, um, um, off of the resume. And in fact, there's one person who was, who, uh, I worked with that was doing um, technical recruiting, and it, and he said when I ask a technical question, if it if it took more than three seconds to answer, they don't know what they're talking about. And I go, why is that? And he said, because they're googling it. Oh, interesting. Uh, and, I, and, that, and that was my response too. <laughs> is there's it, an idea for a lazy man like me? Wow, <laughs> just Google the result. Maybe I could do the Jeopardy challenge that way, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so it, it, it's kind of, okay, what are the results that are needed now? And, you know, and, and are they different? And then make sure that you refocus the employees. Here's the results um, as opposed to we're hanging around by the water cooler or we're going for a few drinks after work, but, but rather this is, this is how your job is going to be measured moving forward. And number three is how do you re-engage the employee? So how do you, Help them say out loud their frustrations, their fear. You're not the therapist. Um, I have recommended to a few of my clients that they get therapy uh, just be- because what's going on has nothing to do with the job. And it's a it's a maddening time right now. Um, and there's a lot of energy that's that's coming up that typically wouldn't have. So, so again, how do you understand their fears, their confusion, their frustration? But again, you keep going back to, and here's what we need from you for this job. And then a great question is, do you think you can do it? And so if they say, yes, they're leaning forward to you. If they're kind of leaning back and say, I don't know, then that's a red flag. So, so yeah, again, number three is to re-engaging the, the, um, the employees. And then number four is, is that you can be more productive because you've done one, two, and three. Uh, but again, part of it is just to understand your behavior. So what is it that you prefer? So like you, you said, your son is very organized and methodical, you know, and, and thought he had a notch in his belt when he, when he fired someone um, is he's very results oriented. So the uh-huh. question is, are there other parts of him that need to be developed which is the, the whole compassion, the listening, um, and, and as opposed to, yes, but here's what I expect from you. It's, it's yes, and here's what I need from you. 
Um, and so is there something I can do from, from this end to assist you? But it's, you know, you have to start with the numbers because if there's no numbers, there's, there's no money. If there's no money, there's no jobs. Yeah. It's a pretty simple formula. Well, you know, you've given us four actionable steps. And I think if, if anybody who's listening has the will and the interest in doing it, they could do it. But for those who say, I need help, I really don't know if I can do this. Kathleen, how can my audience reach out to you? How can they get your books? How can they engage you to come in and do these assessments that you have where you can match people to values? Tell us how to get a hold of you. Um, absolutely. So for your listeners, if you're not driving, pull your cell phone out. <laughs> People, people do it anyway. You know that. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I don't want to, I'm, you know, yes. So, I mean, I don't, but I'm sure there are other people that do. <laughs> so text clarity. So again, my company's name is clarity works consulting because Mac clarity works. It's very clever. Thank you. So clarity, <laughs> so text clarity, C L A R I T Y two five five six seven eight. There's two downloadable books there. <clears throat> the first one of them is is how to hire the right person the first time, and and it takes you through what I've talked about. The second is the power of clarity and focus. So if you don't have clarity, it doesn't make any difference how focused you are because you don't know where you're going anyway, right? Said the 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 cat to. Alice in Wonderland. I'm not. Yeah, the Cheshire Cat. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I never been able to see. You're um, close enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you have to start with clarity. Um, like, here's what you want. So, an example that I use is, I went to college. I was the first one of my family, and there were 11 grandkids. So, I was the, the first one in my family to go to college. The clarity was, I want a better paying job than working on the production line, like all my other family members did. So I went to Kansas State University to get a degree in business administration. Problem is, I didn't have focus. <clears throat> Nobody could, <clears throat> could could coach me, could mentor me. I didn't have anyone who could say, you know, it's really important that you attend all these classes and get these good grades. Um, so it took me five years to finish the degree. And by the way, I was paying for the tuition all by myself. So I scraped by with like um, two five. Hey, all um, right. <laughs> right in your league. <laughs> I made the, you made the dean's list, didn't you? Well, and well, and what happened is I, I graduated at the height of affirmative action, so I got five job offers because I worked my way through college, and I was a female, and I was a female with business. Um, and then when I went to graduate school um, at age forty in in, in Texas, uh, it was I have I have two master's degrees. I, I have an MBA in marketing from the University of North Texas, which is the same school Dr. Phil went to. Hey, there you go. Not at the same time, but. <laughs> and, how's that, and how's that working for you? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and, and then I, um, like a couple years later, got a master's in international human resources because I wanted to work internationally in, in, with, in the international arena. Both of those were like top grades. In fact, the only B's that I got in my MBA program had to do with math, statistics, accounting. Like you said, you earlier as we talked, you weren't strong in that. But in in my uh, comp, you know, in my master's in international compensation, it was it was like a four because I was there with a very different focus. So you, I had clarity, but I didn't have focus, and I wasn't didn't have anyone around me who could help me 
do that. So so that's the two ebooks. I will continue to do that. And when you text me, I will call you right back. And we can talk about how you can understand how you can make better decisions hiring and how you can be a better manager and leader. That's powerful. So right now, if you're listening, I know you have your phone right there because you've been on your Facebook during the boring parts of this when I'm talking. So just text the word clarity to five, five, six, seven, eight, right? Absolutely. Yes. You got it accurately. Excellent. Well, Kathleen, I've really enjoyed our chat. It's been an hour and it feels like it's been 10 minutes. So this has been a lot of fun and you've really given us some great tools and techniques and ideas that are relevant today, but I think they'll be relevant, you know, a year or two from now when we're all back to run around without masks on and drinking out of the there really is no more water coolers and companies anymore. I don't think So maybe when they put them back in, you got somewhere to go and gossip and talk about dancing with the stars and whatever else you do. But until that day, you are definitely somebody that my audience needs to reach out to. So thank you for spending an hour with me, Kathleen. And if you're listening, please reach out again, text the word clarity to five, five, six, seven, eight. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the important transition to management. This podcast is just one resource we have. If you check out our website at greatbosstools.com, you can view some other resources we have there. We'd love to have you as part of our courses. If you're listening to this podcast on any podcast app, we'd also appreciate you taking a few moments to give us a review. Positive, of course, it really helps us out. So with that, take care and get out there and make it your goal to be the absolute best boss ever. (laughs) 